Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season six, episode 10 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Christmas Through Your Eyes. And I I saw the thumbnail. I said, oh, Christmas episode. Yay. Bonnie's going to come home for Christmas. Girl, in what world is a Christmas episode of this show going to be happy? Julie Pleck is foul for making the Christmas episode one of the saddest episodes we've had in a while. I was like sobbing it took me a while to stop like longer than i think it should have like i couldn't stop it i mean we'll get to the end of when we get there but everything that happens plus they're playing winter song julie platt came on this bitch mad as hell <laughs> she had something to do she said you know what you guys all had so much shit to say about season five well fuck you now vampire blood can't cure cancer bitch what the fuck she heard the season five flop allegations and she said, fuck you. I'm going to give Liz Forbes cancer. Brain cancer. She said, cry about it. <laughs> oh, she pisses me off. She said, after I gave you a Claroline scene, this is how you treat me. Trust Julie Pleck, you will be dealt with. <laughs> we have so much to unpack, but before we do, here's a quick ad. I'll start as always by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. With the holidays approaching, Bonnie attempts to replicate her favorite traditions while reminiscing about happier times with her friends. Not able to return home to Mystic Falls for her favorite time of the year, Caroline is surprised when Sheriff Forbes brings the holidays to her at Whitmore College. Meanwhile, after discovering that Joe has gone missing, Alaric turns to Damon and Elena for help, while Liv and Luke find themselves at odds when Tyler approaches them with a risky plan. Elsewhere, Jeremy helps Matt carry out a plan to take down Enzo, but grows concerned when Matt takes things too far. Lastly, Stefan is forced to break some devastating news to Caroline. Uh-huh. And I mean, you were very excited when we had the Thanksgiving episode. You were anticipating a Christmas episode and you were right to anticipate one. You did not know what you were asking for. I know. Well, and what the fuck was I thinking? Because the last Christmas episode, Klaus drowned Carol Lockwood in a fountain. Yeah, that's true. Like, as I was watching this, I was like, why did I think this was going to be like a happy Christmas episode? Like, what show do I think I'm watching? You got to dare to dream. We open the episode in the Whitmore Hospital, but there's Christmas decor up. So we know it's Christmas time. Joe on the phone says, how much are you going to kill me if I want a rain check tonight? Rick says, oh, what happened? And she says, I have a possible 480 hit and run on campus, one DOA, four reds en route. How many fucking hit and runs are on this campus? I know. That's really more concerning. Two in one semester seems high. Yeah. <laughs> Alaric says, have your previous boyfriends understood this language? And she says, I'm going to miss dinner. So you're my boyfriend now? He's like, I've been calling you girlfriend for weeks, bitch. <laughs> Get a caught up. <laughs> he said, we're in love. <laughs> and then she says, there's no hospital code for awkward silence. Give me two hours. Save me dinner. Joe hangs up. And she goes up to a nurse to catch up. The nurse says, doctor, we have a young female with abdominal wounds. Jill says, put her in T3. I need 10 milligrams morphine. Mine's conscious, whatever. So she's like doing a doctor stuff. <laughs> she's saying all the doctor words. Yeah. <laughs> you reading that sounded so unnatural. I felt it. I wasn't sure if milligrams was right. Was it, it right? It is milligrams. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was right. But so I was trying to be confident, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't fake it. Another doctor or nurse, I think he's a nurse in the back says, I see a lot of blood, but no broken bones. Make any sense to you? And Joe says, no, it's not. She goes to this one girl and says, what happened to you? Were you hit by a car? And the girl says, I can't breathe. 
well, girl, if you're talking, you can't, you can breathe. So yeah. let's start there. That's, that's why you have the oxygen mask on. I know you're stressed, but start talking. The nurse falls to the ground, uh, likely dead, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. Joe says, tell me what happened, sweetheart. Look at me. Behind Joe, Kai appears covered in blood. Yeah, he sits up from a hospital bed. Yeah, he came in with everybody being a little silly. The girl spots him and she's scared because she recognizes him as the guy who just stabbed her. Yeah. Joe says, oh, what happened to you? Because the girl's not talking. And then Kai grabs Joe and says, I stabbed her. And Joe says, oh, shit. Joe says, (laughs) Kai. We go to the town square of Mystic Falls and it's very Christmassy. And we find out that it is Christmas of their freshman year. Yeah, it's like looking so happy. I'm like, damn, Mystic Falls is doing good. And then we see Elena and I'm like, oh, wow, they do this celebration outside of the town square. And then it was like, oh. (laughs) Nope, it's a flashback. (laughs) This Christmas is pre the events of the pilot. Mm -hmm. People are hugging and happy. Elena is getting hot cocoa when she gets hit by a snowball. She looks and it was Bonnie, who's also happy. And has long hair. And the hat is covering how bad that wig was. Thank God. Bonnie says, sorry, I had to. And Elena says, you know, you just declared war, right? They're having fun. Bonnie says, come on, Caroline's over there. They hug. Besties. Over in the prison world, Bonnie is dragging a Christmas tree into the parking lot of Mystic Falls High. She puts it up and the eclipse is starting and she looks up and she says, no, I'm not noticing you. Today is not May 10th, 1994. Today is the tree decorating ceremony and you're not telling me otherwise. We go over to Whitmore. Caroline is on the phone. And she says, you know, I just figured we were skipping Christmas this year, considering the part that I die if I cross the border into my hometown. She's on the phone with her mom. She doesn't know it yet, but her mom's in her dorm room. Because her mom's like, no, we really got to take this Christmas seriously, I fear. Liz says, what happened to Christmas being your favorite time of year? And Caroline says, it was when I could actually live in my own house and help decorate the town tree and drink hot cocoa with my friends. She opens her dorm door and Liz is there. And so she hangs up and she says, what are you doing? You're supposed to be at the Mystic Falls tree decorating ceremony. It was just so like, yeah, that's a Christmas event. Yeah, sure. I, I believe you guys have that. Yeah. Liz says, I'm playing hooky this year. I figure just because you can't come home for the holidays doesn't mean the holidays can't come to you. Caroline smiles because she's excited to have her mom there. Having a whole celebration. Mm-hmm. She says, you even brought her favorite ornaments. And it's a picture of clearly little Candace King. And then in comes Stefan. And I'm like, what are you doing here? The audience boos, except me, <laughs> who said, get hear him out. He said, Steriline, Steriline. Stefan comes in with two different boxes of Christmas lights and says, hey, I didn't know which one to get, so I got both. And Caroline, like Stephanie, says, what are you doing here? Yeah. And Stefan says, oh, your mom needed Christmas lights. She knew what she was doing. She said, listen, if I am going to die of a tumor, I will be hooking these two up before I go. Yeah, she's like, Caroline needs my help. She's never going to forgive him fast enough. (laughs) Caroline looks at Liz like, why would you do this to me? And Liz Mm -hmm. says, you have a huge dorm. And I thought we could use an extra set of hands. Caroline looks back to Stefan and he holds up the boxes. And Caroline says, the little ones, obviously. Which, yeah, that's very Caroline style. We go over to Skullbar. Elena is reading and Damon is asleep on the table. But then he's like awake and she smiles. He says, you watching me sleep? She says, no, I'm watching you drool all over Rick's textbooks. And considering you're already on his bad side. I love the amount of textbooks Rick has accumulated already. Yeah. <laughs> Elena says, time for Rick to get a new reference library. 
We've been looking all night, I swear. We haven't found anything that even remotely resembles an Ascendant. Oh, at one night you haven't found anything yet? Damn, that's crazy. Time to throw in the towel. Time to compel it away, huh? Yeah. It's actually not funny. <laughs> yeah, it's actually serious. <laughs> Damon says, well, we haven't looked hard enough. Coming from the man who was just sleeping? You better shut yeah. up. <laughs> well, he comes in with a, a good amount of le- uh, learned experience. That is true. He offers a lot to the group. He says, let's get to it. Find anything yet? And she says, no. She's staring at him while he flips through the book. She's flipping through the pages while she's staring too. It's like, girl, the Ascendant was on that page you just skipped over. Yeah, literally. He says, you're still staring. And she says, it's just everything you've been doing for Bonnie. Thank you. What, sleeping? I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Damon says, she'd do it for us. Elena gets a call. She picks up and she says, oh, hey, Rick. And he says, have you seen Joe? And she says, not since yesterday. And Damon says, why? We go over to maybe Alaric's apartment, maybe Joe's apartment. I'm still not sure. I I was like, well, I think it's Alaric's, but there's a number of things that make it look more like a woman's apartment and they could have been looking for Joe. Yeah, namely the Paris pillow. That's what really threw me off. And there's a lot of chandeliers. But I think the fact that Damon hid something there makes it seem like a Lurk's place. Yes, I think that's probably true. So I lean a Lurk, but I'm I, I'm not ready to say for sure. Yeah, I lean a Lurk as well. But I do find it odd that he has a Paris pillow. Then again, I would not put it past a Lurk to like get a place furnished. Like, yeah, that's true. He's like subletting this. Yeah. I don't know. There's no point in us unpacking this because does it matter? No. It's just the Paris pillow is the main concern because all the other decor kind of fits. But the Paris pillow, it's like, well, why would he have a a throw pillow that looks like that? Yeah, that's not very him. Why would he just not have a plain throw pillow? I can't get caught up in this. I'll be here all day. (laughs) So at this apartment, Elena says, so I asked around the hospital. No one's seen Joe since last night at the ER. A bunch of stab victims came in and one of them is missing as well. Rick says it was Kai. Joe knew he'd come after her and he did. And Damon says, not to give you boyfriend lessons or anything, but if you knew Joe's whack job brother was on the loose and after her, don't you think keeping an eye on her would have been a smart move? Well, technically he is right. Damon, in this case, I think you need to pipe down. Yeah. And frankly, you know that Alaric was like, can I like keep an eye on you? And she was like, let me just go to fucking work. You know, she said no to it. And let's be honest, Kai would have come and grabbed her anyway. Rick says, what would you have had me do, Damon? Ask you to compel Joe to stay put? Want to get a jab in. Elena says, guys, pull it together. (laughs) If Kai has Joe, we need a plan. Damon says, plan's easy. Find Kai, kill Kai. We go over to the Lockwood house where Tyler says, bottom line, we need to keep Kai alive. So he did indeed make a deal with the devil, even though it was distinctly framed to him as such. Tyler, you dumb, dumb, dummy. He didn't even get tricked into making a deal with the devil. He said, you want to make a deal with the devil? And Tyler said, okay. Luke says, you think I'm going to protect the guy who chased us around the house with a baseball bat when we were four? I mean, great point, Luke. Except you do agree to this pretty fast at first. Yeah, Luke, I I understand you eventually defect on this as you should, but why'd you fall for it in the first place? Liv says, Luke's right. You're on some serious crack. Who talks like that? It's like, it's such a, I laughed so hard at that line. Cause it's like, you're not just on crack. You're on some serious crack. It's just, it's like, okay. Why'd you say it like that? Yeah, exactly. It's like, huh. Everything she says is just, and I, I, I don't think it's Penelope Mitch's fault. It's just like a little, it's a little odd. She's doing her darndest with these lines, but they're weird. 
Tyler says, right now, you two are stuck doing the twin merge for your coven. That means one lives, one dies. But if we help Kai and he finds a way to merge with Joe, it's not your problem anymore. Now, isn't this optimistic? And I said this last week. I yeah. had this nailed down. And I thought I might, because after I guessed it, you didn't have shit to say. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head on this one. Yeah. And I said, okay. He said, okay, well, I guess that's that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Luke says, until Kai becomes the most powerful witch in her coven and goes on a killing spree, something tells me that's going to be our problem. Now, this is the right concern to have. You abandon this pretty quick, but you get back to it. Well, I, this is the right concern because even at this point, it's like, so you can like not die in the merge. Great. Like, why would Kai not kill you guys afterward anyway? Yeah. Like, he doesn't fuck with you guys. Uh, he has no need to keep you alive. When he's pissed that he couldn't kill you the first time, so he'll just do it out of spite. He killed a taxi driver earlier. Just to not pay $30. He'll kill his siblings who he doesn't like. Yeah. He doesn't know you guys well enough to, like, protect you. Liv says, what does he want us to do exactly? She's not saying no right away. Because one thing about Liv, she does not want to merge. Yeah. <laughs> That's clear. We go back over to Alaric's apartment. I'm going to refer to it as Alaric's, even though I'm still not convinced, but I'm going to refer to it as such. Yeah, we have to pick one at some point. Yeah. Watch next episode. They're like, this is Joe's apartment. Yeah. On the phone, Damon is describing Kai to Matt. And says, just think sociopathic Ryan Reynolds. Matt says, haven't seen him. And Damon says, grunge vibe, annoying as hell. Matt says, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. And Damon's like, that's why I'm describing him to you. Damon says, well, if he has half a brain, he'll be hiding where vampires can't find him. So in between levels of Mario Kart, could you and baby Gilbert keep an eye out? And Matt says, yeah, got it. If we see him, we'll let you know. And hangs up. Meanwhile, Matt's in like a basement. So obviously... He's doing something else. It looks like he's in maybe Tripp's shed. Oh, that could be. Because it's kind of brick looking. And he's, I mean, he's somewhere that it's clear he's getting ready to kill Enzo. So he's there. Jeremy comes in and Jeremy says, who was that? And Matt says, Damon, apparently there's a psychopath roaming Mystic Falls. And Matt, this whole episode up until the end, has the most sour look on his face. He's in quite some mood until he pisses his pants. He does have a sour look on his face at the end, too, but in a different way. In yeah. a way like, I lost today. A very emasculated look. Yeah. But right now, he's just angry. Jeremy says, did you tell him we're busy hunting down a psychopath roaming outside Mystic Falls? Matt says, must have forgot to mention it. <laughs> it's not fucking funny. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so funny. You just are killing a vampire just for no real good reason. I mean. And with no plan to, I mean, we'll talk about how. He was never going to get Enzo dead the way he's working, but whatever, yeah. we'll get there. They have weapons, and Matt says, get out of here. Enzo's going to be here soon. And Jeremy says, let's kill a vampire. Jeremy, he's all business when it comes to killing vampires. Yeah, like a real hunter. He's like, yeah, this guy's killing people. We got to take care of it. And he has no loyalty to Enzo. He doesn't know anyone who has loyalty to Enzo. And he's in a you know active mood these days. And he's also, he's like trusting Matt's input yeah. because Matt's been around. So Jeremy's like, okay, like, sure, if he thinks he's a danger, I'll go with it. Matt's never given him a reason to not trust him before. We go back over to Alaric's apartment. Damon says, well, Beavis and Butthead are on the lookout. Anyone else brimming with confidence? <laughs> Rick says, this just doesn't make sense. Damon says, what could possibly not make sense about magical twins absorbing into one another? Alaric says, no, Joe needs her magic for the merge to work. She got rid of that in 1994. At the Lockwood house, Tyler says, Kai said Joe hid her magic in a knife somewhere. 
Liv says probably back in Portland where she got rid of it in 1994. Tyler says he checked. It's not there. He thinks someone took it. <laughs> we go over to a lyrics department. Damon says Joe doesn't have magic because it's stuffed in a knife that was stolen and hidden by yours truly. Kai <laughs> won't find it. Rick says, yeah, unless Kai does a locator spell. Damon says, impossible. Rick says, why? Can't believe Rick hasn't heard this yet. Yeah. Elena says, Kai was born without the ability to do magic. Back over at the Lockwood house, Liv says, let me guess. Kai wants us to do a locator spell on the knife. Tyler says, if we find it, Joe can get her magic back. Kai can merge with her and you and Luke live. So fuck Joe, huh? It is so fascinating, this whole episode where they're like, we don't want to have to die. It's not fair. We're cool if Joe dies, though. <laughs> we get to this later that Liv is like, well, you had 18 years of freedom. And it's like, okay, you had 18 years of freedom, too, as a kid. Yeah. Like, sorry, she fought her sociopathic brother. At least you like your brother. Yeah. Luke says, this is ridiculous. This is our job. Merging is our duty to the coven. It's why we were born. And Liv says, no. We were born because our coven decided that Joe wasn't strong enough to beat Kai. Why should we have to die? Because our sister's too weak to defeat our psychopath of a brother. So that you don't free a psychopath is the why. But take that up with your fucking dad. Yeah. Like, don't punish Joe for that. It, it does seem, A, like they have the wrong enemy here. Or B, take it up with the coven in general. Like, yeah. I'm happy to say the merge is clearly not a system you want to participate in. Yeah. But how is making Joe participate in it? the solution they have to decide if they want to be loyal to the coven or not because if they want to be loyal to the coven it is bad for kai to be in charge of it just objectively mm -hmm. it is yeah there's a reason everyone's fighting it and you've met him like you yeah. know enough to know that he shouldn't be the leader of it best case scenario kai kills your dad at least Worst case scenario, he kills you and your entire family. And that seems more likely. Yeah, it seems more likely that the whole coven is in danger. It seems like a Whitmore family situation yeah. or an Augustine family situation, whichever it is. No, it is the Whitmore family. I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was the Augustine family after that chapter. I like always forgot what it was called. Yeah. Luke says, you know, a month ago, the thought of bowing out never occurred to you. And Liv says, because Kai wasn't here a month ago, but he's here now. Luke, we don't have to do this. We have a chance to live out normal human lives. We could actually be happy. And I don't care if that means taking away a normal, happy human life from my sister. Because then I get it instead of her. And also, this is assuming he doesn't kill us, which I have no reason to assume because he, he kills everybody. Also, I can date Tyler, a boy who I don't know what I talk about with. <laughs> <laughs> I would love and hate to be a fly on the wall on one of Liv and Tyler's conversations. They don't even watch the same movies. Yeah. I can't imagine they talk about anything. They don't have one thing in common. They're just bonded by the fact that she killed a guy for him. Well, yeah. And like, at least they're bonded through that. I don't know what they were bonded through before that. Yeah. Just that they're hot, I guess. I guess. It feels like they're different types of hot, though. So even that doesn't make sense. Tyler's type is usually... We've only ever really seen his type be Caroline, who's blonde, sure. Or Vicky, I suppose. Sure. I guess Vicky and Haley both have kind of that, like, bitchy thing. But Vicky didn't really have the bitchy thing that Liv yeah. has. Liv's kind of like Caroline and Haley mixed together. Yeah. Oh, he's sick. Oh, he's <laughs> sick for that. So, so he's cheating on Caroline. So he cheated on Caroline <laughs> with Haley. Oh, I'll kill him. <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> you lost me, Tyler. <laughs> We go over to Rick's apartment. Rick says, 
if the only way to restore Joe's magic is to reunite her with that knife, Kai's going to come for it. And Elena says, Rick's right. Even if Kai can't do the locator spell, he's going to make it his mission to find it. Damon says, Kai finds it. Great. Love it. And Elena says, why aren't you more concerned? Damon says, because if Kai goes for the knife, I will kill him because the knife is right here where I hid it. He pulls something off the wall, opens the compartment to show the knife safe and sound, uh, but the compartment is empty. Yeah, which he figures out pretty fast, given that Alaric and Elena look at him like Damon. The thing about Damon, he really trusts his skills to hide things, and he's never been successful at it. Yeah, he gets things stolen constantly. Who could forget when he put the moonstone in the soap bowl? (laughs) Certainly not me. (laughs) No one could. No one will. (laughs) We go over to the mausoleum where Kai is with Liv and Luke. And he has the knife because they already found it. Yeah. I love when a TV show does something like this, that it's like two scenes happening at the same time. But then after a bit, it's like, oh, this one happened like way before. (laughs) Yeah. Kai says, I know I tried to kill you when you were toddlers, but I got to say, it sure is nice to be around family for the holidays. And fantastic shot of him with the fucking stained glass behind him. He looks so sexy, evil, but also kind of like a priest. Obsessed. And Joe is also there, chained up on the ground unconscious. Parker family. Family reunion. (laughs) In the prison world, Bonnie is in a Santa hat. And she's decorating the tree. And then she reminisces. And we're back to the same Christmas pre-pilot freshman year in Mystic Falls. Liz is drinking hot cocoa. Caroline approaches and says, oh, is dad not here yet? And Liz says, yeah, he's not going to make it. Remember his friend Steven? He needed help moving a couch or something. So he's going to have to miss out. That's the best lie you guys could put together. He's moving a couch. It's pretty clear at this point, Liz already knows what the situation is. Yeah. And it's clear that Caroline knows something's up too. She's privy to it. Caroline says, but it's an undeclared law that the sheriff and her husband put the star on the tree. And Liz says, then we'll just have to let the Lockwoods have the honors this year. I know Carol Lockwood was lobbying for that. She said, really, it should be the mayor. She paid Bill Forbes to not come. She introduced Bill Forbes to Stephen. When we had this line, I was like, are we going to see Carol Lockwood? Of course we didn't. Why would they bring her back for like one shot of her putting a star on the tree? If only. Caroline says, is something going on between you two? And Liz says, it'll be fine, I promise. (laughs) Not an answer. Yeah, not an answer. So that's pretty obvious. Caroline says, Mom, I'm a freshman in high school. I can handle adult conversations. That's a line for the parents watching to giggle. Yeah, to be like, oh, teenager. Oh, freshman. (laughs) And they laugh a little too loud and they get in a fight with their daughter about it. (laughs) Yeah. And then then the fight really comes full circle when they're crying at the end of the episode about how much they love each other. Julie Pleck, you're sick. (laughs) Liz says, no worrying during the holidays, okay? Something she clearly still believes. Yeah. (laughs) She says, and that tree is not going to decorate itself. Go. Elsewhere, Bonnie and Elena are making popcorn garlands. And Elena says, maybe you'll meet a cute surfer. Bonnie says, doubtful. My dad's conference is two hours from any beach. (laughs) Caroline says, cute surfer. Where? (laughs) Caroline said, you called? (laughs) Elena says, nowhere. Bonnie's dad is dragging her on a work trip, so I'm going to ask my parents if she can spend the holidays with us. I love them fixing this backstory. Like, yeah, Bonnie's dad was around. So we're sad he died, right? He he loved her. He loved her so much he took her on a work conference over Christmas. What the fuck? 
is so important to the pharmaceutical sales company that they have to go on a conference over Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of pharmaceutical is he selling? Bonnie says, oh, are you serious? And Elena says, yeah, the three of us have never spent Christmas apart, and I plan on keeping it that way. Even though Jeremy will hate it, it's always fun to torture him. Bonnie says, I love you almost as much as I love torturing Jeremy. She still loves torturing Jeremy by dying. <laughs> by constantly dying. This was to be, and I'm sure this is meant to be like a, ooh, foreshadowing they're going to date. You guys made that up as you went. Yeah, you stumbled into that one. Also because in this throwback, he's like, what, in seventh grade? Yeah. <laughs> Caroline says, great. Now that Christmas is saved, let's get these garlands on the tree before they end up on your hips. He's watching out for them. Connie and Elena keep eating. I love when they do a flashback like this. So they're like, we got to give Caroline one quick bitchy line. Yeah. <laughs> like, remember, she was kind of mean. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's why I was standing. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring back bitchy Caroline. She kept them put together. We go over to the Whitmore dorm. Caroline is hanging lights. Stefan is with her and he says, oh, here, I got it. And he hangs some. She says, what are you doing here? He says, well, your mom asked for my help. And she says, No. What are you doing here? Yeah, that's not the answer we're looking for, King. Yeah, try again. She says, because if you think hanging a few strands of lights is going to help me forget what a crappy friend you've been, then you thought wrong. He was like, well, I was hoping it would a little bit. I wasn't optimistic, but, you know, I thought maybe. I wasn't thinking it would get rid of everything, but I did <laughs> think it would make a step. <laughs> he says, Caroline, I'm trying, okay? And she says, trying? No, this? This is the easy part. Anyone can be friends when you're hanging Christmas lights. And she's got a point there. She doesn't let him breathe, and you know what? Good for her. She shouldn't. Make him suffer a bit. Yeah. Liz returns with hot chocolates, and she says, who wants hot chocolate? <laughs> and Stefan says, you know, I was just leaving, and he starts to go. And then Liz, like, falters a little bit and drops the hot chocolates, and she almost faints, but she catches herself on a chair. Mm -hmm. And Karen's like, oh, my God, are you okay? And Liz is like, oh, wow, I just got really... And then she, like, falls again, and Stefan Vampire runs back in to catch her. She passes out collapses and at this point i was like I, I, well i was like oh dear immediately yeah but then i was like is this a spell thing like is this somehow affecting mystic falls but no the one time i didn't guess biological off the top i know i mean we've talked about this before there is something so much more heartbreaking on this show when it's really something grounded in reality yeah her having brain cancer is so much worse than like her having a spell cast on her or like if she had died in the crash of mystic grill when i thought she was gonna die yeah exactly we go to the cemetery kai is drawing a line in the dirt and liv says what's he doing and luke says probably playing tic-tac-toe with himself like a crazy person you guys already signed up to work with him yeah you're on his team you can't be doing both of these kai says this is the anti-magic border joe can get her magic back over there from the mausoleum joe calls out hey what did you do to me and Kai says, sissies up. And they go inside. <laughs> me on Saturday morning when Grace texts me back. Kai, Luke, and Liv go into the mausoleum now that Joe's awake. And Joe says, what the hell did you do to me? And Joe, I'm sure, is like, what the fuck are you two doing here with him? Like, come on. She said, not you two. She said, I just told the story like a week ago. <laughs> About how I saved you even though he had cut my spleen out. Yeah. And now you're throwing me under the bus? This me. is how you repay me? For Christmas? Yeah. Kai says, I haven't seen you in 18 years. You can't muster a hello. Joe looks at Luke and Liv specifically and says, what did you guys do? She's like, no, I'm not dealing with him. You do have some splaining to do. And then Liv has the nerve to say what you should have done 18 years ago. When she got her spleen cut out and saved you from being murdered. Somehow it's her fault? And here's this. 
you're so against doing the merger. Well, you should have just merged. But you don't have to. It's like she doesn't connect those dots because she's like, the merge is stupid. We shouldn't have to do that. But Joe and Kai have to do it. What? (laughs) Joe says, well, it's not going to work, Kai. I don't have my, and Kai says, magic. Yeah, I recall. You stored it in this. He takes out the knife and then he stabs her in the arm with it. And Luke says, what the hell? And Luke, what do you mean, what the hell? What di- what exactly did you think was going to happen here? You knew he had this knife. What? Where did you think that knife was going? You just located a knife for him. Did you think he wasn't going to stab her? When that's like what he did to all of your family. At this point, be happy he stabbed her arm. Yeah. That's kind of the best place to stab. Kai says, I'm trying to reunite Joe with her, another stab, magic. <laughs> and then Kai realizes it's not working. And Luke says, enough. So Kai pushes him against the wall with the knife and says, I was wanting to kill you when your brain was the size of an acorn. You don't think I'll do it now? And Luke's like, hmm, this might have been the wrong teammate. Luke says, I am starting to think I should not have teamed up with this guy. But it's too soon to say. Luke pushes Kai off and says, whatever, I'm not watching this and leaves. It's it's still happening. You're just not watching it? Yeah. Well, and frankly, Liv, you know Luke is going to defect. That's his whole thing. He will constantly be moving sides. He's like Tyler in that way. No wonder you exactly. love. <laughs> Luke leaves and Kai laughs. And he says, oh, so dramatic. Kai says, all right, sissy, let's try this again. This is the way my brain is broken with Kai. I'm like, it's so cute that he calls her sissy. Bitch, he's <laughs> stabbing her. <laughs> I love him calling her sissy. <laughs> Sissy's up. <laughs> Joe says, stop. Okay, I put my magic in that knife by choice. Taking it back is also my choice. Unless I bleed to death which will happen in the next 30 minutes. What a bluff. When she said this, I was thinking like, I don't think that's going to happen from that stab wound. But I was like, well, she's the doctor. I don't know. I know. I'm like, (laughs) he stabbed her in the arm two times. I don't think she's going to bleed out. And Kai, as someone who's stabbed a bunch of people, shouldn't you know that? And Joe says, wouldn't it be ironic if you accidentally killed me before the merge ceremony? And I do think like that's enough of a threat that he's like, I don't think she'll die from that, but. If she does, that would be stupid. Yeah, but he's like, I might as well get a Band-Aid anyway. So Kai turns to Liv and says, I'm going to find a bandage. Will you figure out how to put the magic in this knife into our sister? Liv takes the knife and Kai says, preferably by the time I get back, so I don't have to dull it by slitting your throat. Kai goes. So at this point, Liv, you should realize, you know what? Kai doesn't really care if Liv or Luke live or die. Mm -hmm. And if anything, he'd prefer they die. Yeah. He would prefer that they die and he gets to like win the merge. But like if they just die, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. We go over to the Whitmore hospital and Liz is laying in a hospital bed and Caroline's looking through a window. Elena arrives and says, oh, what happened? And Caroline says she just collapsed. I don't know. One second we're decorating the next she's on the ground. Maybe she forgot to eat. You know, sometimes she skips breakfast. Elena says, and when was the last time you ate, Caroline? As in fed. And Caroline says, okay, now you sound like Stefan. He just went to go find something to take the edge off. They have her sedated. She's going to be asleep for a while. Can you just come and distract me? How's the search for the new Ascendant thingy? Elena says, not good. (laughs) Damon and I spent the night researching. And Caroline says, poor Bonnie. Do you think she knows it's Christmas? She never liked being away from us at Christmas. And Elena says, I don't know. It's probably better she doesn't know, though. But she does. Caroline says, so are you and Damon? And Elena says, I know what you're thinking. And no. And Caroline says, actually, I was going to say, I think it's great how he's always been there for you when it mattered. Thick and thin, good times and bad times. Maybe I haven't given him enough credit. Caroline turning the corner on Damon. Mm -hmm. 
Caroline and Damon best friend era incoming, I fear. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. They are defending each other to everybody. They get each other, finally. I needed you two on the same side. Yeah. (laughs) My king and my queen. Elena says, you're clearly malnourished. (laughs) Ha ha ha. We go over to the Lockwood house slash the Whitmore dorm. Tyler's on the phone in Lockwood house. Damon's on the phone in the Whitmore dorm. Damon says, you think you're pretty clever, don't you? And Tyler says, is this Damon? Why don't I have this number saved? When Damon died, Tyler was like, well, I can clear this out. Yeah, probably. (laughs) He's running out of space. Damon says, well, you weren't in your dorm room and your pouty little goth friend wasn't in hers. Tyler says, it's creepy you know where Liv's dorm room is. It's a dorm. People's names are usually on the outside anyway. That's true. Damon says, let me guess. You three idiots figured that Kai merging with Joe benefits you and Liv. Now, I'm not sure exactly how Luke fits into that yet, but I'll use my imagination. Meanwhile, you can see Luke walking up in the background. (laughs) Tyler says, I'm trying to keep my girlfriend alive. Sound familiar? And he hangs up. Well, Tyler's like, how'd you figure this out so fast? (laughs) Damon spots Luke and Luke sees Damon and tries to run away. I guess you might as well try. Damon vampire runs to stop him and says, we both know that wasn't going to work. And then he says, where's Joe? And Luke says, I'm not telling you. And before you threaten to rip my head off, Remember, all that does is guarantee Kai having to merge with Joe. Damon says, is that what you people think of me? That I just instantly resort to violence? I mean, a little bit, Damon. They get that clue from somewhere. Yeah. And then Damon says, I just have a question. I get why you don't want to merge with Liv. Because no one wants to see that face with her hair. I get it. But what makes you think Kai merging with Joe is any smarter? I mean, I heard he killed four of your siblings, and that was without magic. You know what? It'll be fine. I'm sure once Kai gets all that power, he's just going to mellow right on out. Thank you for saying it, Damon. But why did they not think of this themselves? This is so embarrassing for them. This is so fucking obvious. Have you met Kai? He hates the fucking coven. He doesn't like you. Of course he's going to kill you. But you know what he does like? Killing people. I mean, just put the pieces together, guys. He tried to kill you when you were four. He's obviously just going to do it again because he's pissed he couldn't kill you when you were four. Yeah, and guess what? He was in the prison world. You guys never got him out. Why would he side with you? He's only siding because it's beneficial to him at this exact moment. You give him exactly what he wanted. And Damon starts to go, but he walks slowly because he knows Luke's going to stop him. (laughs) And Luke says, stop. And Damon smiles because he knows he got him. We go over to Tripp's shed. Enzo arrives and Matt is there. Enzo says, and here I thought we were meeting for tea and crumpets. Because one thing about him, he's going to be jokey jokey. Yeah. Matt says, I'm giving you information about a girl who's supposed to be Stefan's long lost niece, and I'm not exactly interested in him finding out. It's like, Matt, you're already trapping him. Do you have to be so obnoxious and rude? Just fucking give him the fake folder. And Enzo is already suspicious. So he says, why are you helping? I thought you unfriended me when I killed that little con artist. (laughs) Matt says, her name was Monique. How'd you find that out? (laughs) Enzo says, yeah, two names, actually. First Sarah, then Monique, probably others. I asked you why you're helping me. Yeah, because Enzo's like, no, you're going to answer the question I asked. Matt says she knew something Stefan didn't want her to know. For some screwed up reason, you're obsessed with knowing Stefan's secrets, probably because he has everything you'll never have. Matt got him there. Enzo says, just answer the bloody question. Why are you helping me? And Matt says, because I want this obsession to take you the hell away from here. Sure, that works enough Mm -hmm. as an excuse. He says, this is all the information Monique told me about her past. Take it and get out. She told you this chunk of folder, but you didn't know her name was Monique until two days ago. You have this thick folder that says she lived in a number of foster homes. Be serious. Yeah. 
he gives it to Enzo, the file, and Enzo's not a fool, so he opens it before he leaves, and it's just a folder full of blank papers. I know this deco doesn't have to last long, but would it kill you? I mean, I think the ideal is that he, like, walked out with it and didn't look at it, but, like, just take some animal attack shit from Tripp's office. He's not using it. Yeah, compile a fake file. Enzo laughs, Matt smiles, because the plan must have been to just get him there. Jeremy comes in with the crossbow and shoots something, but Enzo catches the first arrow and says, think I didn't plan for that. Matt quickly stabs Enzo in the neck. Enzo turns and pushes Matt to the wall and chokes him, but then Jeremy shoots two stakes into Enzo's back, and Matt knocks him out, so Enzo falls and passes out, but he doesn't get Graham Vaney, so we know he's not dead. Mm -hmm. We go back over to the hospital. There's a lot of doctors with Liz while Stefan is watching. There's like three or four people in that room besides her. Yeah, it's never good. (laughs) Stefan has a cup, and Elena says... Caroline could really use whatever's in that cup. I don't know what's in it. Alcohol, blood, coffee. All of them make sense for that line. A <laughs> mixed drink. Yeah. And then Elena says, is it just me or does that look really bad for somebody who just fainted? Not just you, queen. Elena, you volunteer in a hospital. I think you can trust your instinct on this one. Stefan says, that doctor just came over from radiology. I heard her say glioblastoma. You know, I'm no expert, but usually blastoma, I think, is a brain thing. So I was already suspicious. Me too. I'm not sure, but I know, you know, it sounds bad. I mean, it sounds cancer adjacent. And Elena says, no, but that, no, because she knows because she's pre-med. Stefan says, we brought her in a couple weeks ago after Tripp's guys grabbed her. Doctors ran some tests and apparently they found something suspicious. And Elena says, that doesn't make any sense, Stefan. Caroline would have said something. And Stefan says, maybe her mom hasn't told her yet. One of the doctors leaves the room and Elena quickly goes and compels her and says, what's going on with Liz Forbes? The doctor says her recent MRI showed a lesion on her brainstem. We think it's metastasized. Metastasized? Yeah. I'll do that again. The doctor says her recent MRI showed a lesion on her brainstem. We think it's... I knew you were trying to... You did too long of a lead up. I knew you'd lose it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) We think it's metastasized to his... You got through it without the one word, and that's all you could do. You did good, though. You sounded confident. I know. I didn't think I was going to get through it, and I was so happy I couldn't do this. We think it's metastasized to her spine. Oh, and there she goes, bitch. Grey's Anatomy, watch out. Elena says, can you operate? And the doctor says, "Mm, if the tumor's already spread, it would be impossible. And Elena says, but that would mean, does she know? The doctor says, yeah, for a few weeks now, but news like this takes time to digest. Then the doctor leaves. And Elena and Stefan just look at each other like, oh, dear. Oh, shit. Oh, no. (laughs) We go back over to Tripp's little shed. Matt and Jeremy are dragging Enzo's body. And Jeremy says, wouldn't it be a billion times easier just to stake him in the heart? Because he's a hunter. He's not a torturer. Yeah, Jeremy's like, okay, we got him. Let's stake him and get this done. And Matt says, yeah, but he wouldn't suffer. Get the door. And Jeremy says, wait. This isn't about making him suffer. It's about making sure he doesn't kill anyone else. Now, it would have been helpful to get the objective down before you did the plan, but... But Matt has always been pretty level-headed with Jeremy. So Jeremy has no reason to expect that Matt wants to torture someone. That is true. Matt says he just killed an innocent girl, Jeremy. He deserves to suffer. I'm not saying Monique was, like, a hard criminal. She wasn't totally innocent, though. Yeah. Best case scenario, she was going to embezzle the Salvatores. Yeah, and, like, should Enzo have killed her? No. But, like, that's not really enough of a reason to, like, torture him to death. Like, as a vampire. 
the goalposts have moved. Exactly. Jeremy says, you sound like Trip. And Matt says, you mean the guy whose neck Enzo split open for trying to protect innocent people? That's not really why Enzo killed Trip. Yeah, he did it because Trip had gotten the sheriff kidnapped, if you'll recall. And because Trip was torturing and killing vampires, including Enzo. It's not like Enzo was like, he's trying to protect innocent people. I've got to kill him. Yeah. Just because you're on Trip's side of it doesn't mean you can ignore the other things going on. Yeah, Trip was no perfect person. Let's be totally fucking honest. <laughs> Jeremy says, I'm just saying you're being a little intense. Yeah, Jeremy's like, I hate to say this, but like, this is not how you should be reacting to this. And Matt says, maybe that's the problem, Jeremy. We've all been looking the other way because we're friends with vampires. But how many people need to die for us to face the fact that vampires also kill people? And Jeremy says, so you do the same thing to Stefan? What about Elena or Caroline? Matt doesn't want to answer that question because he doesn't want to reckon the fact with the fact that he wouldn't. Yeah, he doesn't want to admit that he's being a hypocrite here. Yeah. And Jeremy has come to terms with this long ago that he's like, look, I don't really respect vampires as a whole and there are times you have to kill them, but like we can't paint with such a broad brush. Yeah, it has to be case by case. Mm -hmm. Matt says, just help me get him to the van. And Jeremy says, look, I know how you feel. I was supernaturally programmed to take out my sister, remember? But this whole us versus them thing is going to drive you crazy and it's going to get you killed. Jeremy leaves. Because this is always the issue, is when people try to kill someone and they let their emotions take over and they wait and do like whatever the fuck they need to do, get their revenge in whatever way. Mm -hmm. That's when people get out and get away and get revenge on you. If he had just staked Enzo right away, he'd be dead. Yeah, be over. But he didn't want to do that. Because he wasn't doing this to protect the town. He's talking about that like it's his mission. He do- he wants to do it to hurt Enzo. He's trying to convince himself, but he wants to do it to satisfy himself, to get his own personal revenge. It's not about protecting And people. to feel powerful. Yeah. And feel like he has control over his life, which he clearly doesn't have control over. That's definitely true. At least admit that that's what you're doing. Like, at least Trip, for all his faults, understood that he was, like, doing it for revenge. Yeah. For his wife. Exactly. We go over to the mausoleum. I think they're in the Salvatore mausoleum, like it matters. I mean, they all kind of look the same, but it's right by that gate, so I think so. Liv looks at Joe's wound and is kind of freaked out, and Joe says, oh, don't you worry about that. It's going to be okay. I just needed to get rid of Kai so you could free me, right? Yeah, because she's like, because obviously you want to free me. Because obviously, you know, you you had a weak moment, but you have realized by now that he's going to kill you, yes? (laughs) Like, I don't have to explain this to you, do I? I don't need to explain to you that you made a a huge, huge lapse in judgment here. Yeah. Liv says, look, Joe, you can't run away from this anymore. You've had 18 years of freedom. Now take your magic back and do this. You owe it to the coven. Um, She doesn't owe it to the coven any more than you do. Yeah. Like, why is she responsible for keeping the coven together, but you're not? Exactly. It's because you don't want to. <laughs> Joe says, is that what you think? that I've been shirking my responsibility to our family. I also think there's an interesting thing to be explored here about when they refer to it as a coven and when they refer to it as a family. Yeah. Because Kai does this same thing where when he wants to make them putting him in the prison world seem more dramatic or more hurtful, he refers to them as his family. And Liv, by referring to the whole thing as a coven, is like her way of distancing herself from Joe. Yeah. And that's how she justifies it being like, well, if Joe dies, like that's her responsibility to the coven. Yeah. 
It's a lot of selective definitions here. Yeah, selective justifications. And it's a lot of like, well, you got to get away. So it's not fair that you got out. So now you have to come back and let me get out. I think where it also comes from for Liv is like, we know twins have to merge. And there's two sets of twins. One set of twins, me and Luke, are bestie besties. Yeah. And the other set of twins hate each other. The the ones who hate each other should have to merge. Yeah. Which is fair. Unfortunately, what it really comes down to, and I said this before, what is requiring the merge? Like, I don't believe that they actually need to do it. Or I kind of see it like ready or not, where they're like, we have to sacrifice to the devil. And it's like, well, are we sure we have to? Yeah. Or have we just always done it? Yeah. Liv says, Luke's all I've got. If we merge and he dies, I may as well be dead too. Joe says, okay, well, if Kai merges with me, he'll be more powerful than any of us. And Liv says, did it ever occur to you that maybe you're strong enough to beat him? And I think this is just Liv's justification of like, well, maybe Joe will beat him and then I don't have to worry about it. And then it's like all's well that ends well. And then if she doesn't beat him, she's like, well, at least Luke and I didn't have to merge. It's unclear if Liv actually believes that this could happen or not. Because at the beginning of the episode, she refers to Joe as really weak. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps her for Joe to want to do the merge. I don't know if she really actually believes Joe can win or not, or if she's just like delusionally telling herself. Like, I don't know if she believes it delusionally or if she doesn't believe it and she's just saying she does i think she's kind of like well maybe you could win like i don't think she like really believes it but she's like i can't say for sure that wouldn't happen yeah so maybe i'm wrong in assuming she's weak and then maybe it's a win-win situation where kai dies and luke and i get to stay alive so we might as well try that because in her mind if they merge either way she lives which is a misread obviously But that's what she's going into it as. And she's like, well, maybe Joe beats him. And then I'm not the bad guy. But either way, Luke and I live. And so I don't really give a fuck what happens because she hasn't thought beyond that. Well, I think she also part of her thinks that if Kai wins the merge, then her family coven will just turn their backs on her and Luke and they'll get to leave the coven because it seems like they've never really wanted to be in this coven, which is partially due to the merge. But again, what makes you think Kai won't kill you the second that happens? Like, it's just, it's just not really thinking. Yeah, I do wonder if there's a part of her that's like, well, if we help Kai now, he'll keep us alive, which is foolish. And he basically ad- admits to that. He never even seems like he's not going to kill them when they're actively helping him. Yeah, he doesn't even lie about that because he knows it's not believable. But I guess that doesn't matter to Liv. And so Liv, either to convince herself or to convince Joe or both, she says, you know, you were 22 the last time you went up against him. Except she didn't go up against him in a merge when she was 22. She already got rid of her magic, so that's whatever. And she says, since then, you've been a combat medic. You know, you've saved hundreds of lives. Your hospital worships you. The merge is not a doctor competition. (laughs) They're not reading her CV. They're not looking at her medical experience for the merge. It's power. And guess who can suck as much power up as he wants. And guess who hasn't used magic for 18 years? Mm Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like a layup that Kai would win based on the evidence we have. Yeah, it seems like maybe this could happen, but why risk it when we don't have to, when we have this other set of twins? Sorry, Liv and Luke. Which is exactly what Joshua Parker said. Yeah, I see why you guys are mad about that. I'd be pissed too. But like, that's the thing. Liv and Luke have every right to be upset. Yeah. Because this isn't a fair situation to them. Yeah. But 
killing Joe doesn't make it a more fair situation. Yeah. It makes it unfair to someone else. All it does is like ruin the whole coven, which I think is kind of a benefit to live too, because I think there's a lot of resentment towards the coven. And again, I do think this is her thinking that if she's out, Kai won't kill her. She's mm-hmm. like, well, if he kills the coven, like, fuck them. They put me and Luke in this situation. Like, that's what they deserve. Yeah. Again, ignoring the writing on the wall. But again, it's also the separation of like coven and family because it is at the end of the day, both of those things, their coven and their family. Liv doesn't seem to have a lot of loyalty or love lost for her family, but Luke seems to care about their family more. Mm -hmm. Like he seems to respect the coven thing. Yeah, he seems to be like, this is part of what happens. Like, this is just what I have to do. We knew it from when we were little. There is also something when we were first introduced to the idea of the Gemini coven, which, you know, maybe this is connected, maybe it's not, that the Gemini coven was like their connection of a group that had found a way to interact with their relatives on the other side. So it's just worth bringing up. There's some level of connection between life and death between them that may be at play. Or there was when the other side was up. That's true. It's not here anymore. That's true. So maybe that was something at the time like, yeah, you might kill your brother, but you'll see him again. Yeah. But now who knows? Joe says someone's done her research. And Liv says, you're my sister and I'm yours. Look how far you've come without magic. You didn't get here listening to people tell you you weren't strong enough. This girl boss ass lie. I can't with her. She's like, you're my sister and I'm yours. And so why won't you just die for me, bitch? <laughs> you know, the joke be like, why won't you die for me, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> I have a successful life. You're just a 21-year-old. <laughs> you are a 22-year-old bartender. And I'm a doctor that saves hundreds of lives a day. You tell me who should live. <laughs> let's, let's, play, let's play that game. Let's yeah. play that game, Liv. Kai comes back. He grabs Liv and siphons her. Joe says, Liv. <laughs> Kai says, can't say I didn't warn her. He starts a spell. Looks like an aneurysm spell to Liv. But obviously she doesn't supernaturally heal. So owie. And she starts to get a nosebleed. Joe says, Kai, stop. And Kai says, is it going to be funny when I kill her using her own magic? Wait, is that funny or sad? I get my emotions mixed up. He's so cutie sociopath. I could fix you. I'll help you with your emotions, King. It's like uh, Belle teaching the beast how to read is you teaching Kai which emotion is which. No, Kai, that's sad. <laughs> and then Kai says, oh, what's the one for fire again? That's Incendia, right? Phasmatos. And Joe says, okay, Kai, enough. She takes the knife. She starts a spell, grabbing the knife. There's wind. We go out to the woods. Rick and Damon arrive. And Damon says, that's it. We're going to kill bad guys together and you're not going to talk to me? It's just like season one. Mm-hmm. Rick says, you blew up your car, you needed a ride, doesn't mean we have to talk. And Damon says, look, I agree that maybe compelling you to betray your lady friend was an irrational decision stemming from untreated control issues. Oh, look at him. Somebody went to therapy. Not to be a Damon apologist, but I thought the decision was pretty rational. Yeah, I thought the decision was (laughs) rational. I'm sorry. And again, I stand by this. If you don't want to be compelled, you have to drink vervain. If you don't drink vervain and you get compelled, you have to admit that that's on you. If you know about vampires. Yeah, if you don't drink Ravain and you know vampires exist and you get compelled, you were opening yourself up to it. Rick looks at Damon and says, okay. And Damon says, what? I'm sorry, Rick. Rick says, is that it? Damon says, yeah. Rick says, great, let's finish this and goes. We go back to the mausoleum. Joe drops the knife. Ty squats next to her and touches her face, does a little siphoning. And he says, oh, there it is. And then he says, so predictable. 
I threaten Liv. You do anything it takes to save Liv. Joe does a little spell to get out of the cuffs. One thing about Kai is he will threaten someone to get someone else to use magic. And it works every time. Yeah. Outside of the mausoleum, Damon does a little whistle. That's enough to get Kai to get outside. He's a curious guy. What can you say? He looks around. Damon vampire runs and pushes Kai against a tree and says, cemetery? Really? Now, what you should have done is vampire run and snap his neck. Exactly. Because guess what? Kai has magic right now. He says modus, and he uses that to push Damon over the anti-magic border. So he burns a little, but Damon crosses back. Kai crosses over to the anti-magic border and says, oh, whoops. Looks like you found the anti-magic border. I drew a line in the dirt for everyone's convenience. See? You're welcome. He loves to use this border. He thinks it's funny. But what's not so funny is on the anti-magic side of the border, Rick grabs Kai and holds a gun to his head. I say it every time. Every time there's a gun on this show, it like it feels so aggressive because it's like a gun. It's like, whoa. (laughs) And this is a massive gun, too. It's like, oh, we're serious now. (laughs) Like, Rick, you're feeling something. (laughs) Damon says, thank you, Rick. Kill him. Joe says, Rick, don't. Joe, I'm so sorry. Shoot him in the head. Yeah. He should have gone fast enough that Joe didn't say anything, that Joe was too late. Yeah, sorry. Rick says, what are you talking about? And Damon says, she's lightheaded and confused. I'll give her some of my blood. Kill him. Joe says, no, you can't. If Kai dies, Liv and Luke have to do the merge. It's not fair to them. And we get a shot of Liv like waking up hearing this. It's like, bitch. <laughs> and it's like, again, she's right. It is not fair to Luke and Liv. Yeah. But they're all like dealing with this being unfair. And they're like, how do we make this work within the confines of the coven? The coven's rules aren't fair. You're not going to find a fair workaround in the coven's rules. Well, if it's about fairness, like since Joe wants to sacrifice this, whatever, if it's truly about fairness, the most fair option is Kai winning the merge. Exactly. That's the thing. If you were at all concerned with what is fair... They wouldn't have put Kai in a prison world. Sir, you had Mm -hmm. a sociopathic kid and he's the most powerful one. That's the rules of your coven. The most powerful one is the leader. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry that it's a guy you don't like. Yeah, maybe, you know, nature versus nurture, there's some nature there. But Joshua Parker, maybe think about how you're raising these damn kids. And if you don't want to rely on who is the most powerful, hate to say it, could introduce democracy into the coven. Yeah. You know, or maybe don't breed kids and tell them their whole life, you have to kill your brother or sister. If you have to do that, don't let them hang out. That's exactly right. If you know they're going to merge from a young age, why would you let Luke and Liv become besties? Yeah. Separate them at birth, which is also fucked up. Yes. I'm not saying that's a good answer, but- But if we think about fairness- (laughs) If you're dead set on a merge and you're dead set on fairness, you can't pick and choose when those rules work for you. It should have been like, well- We don't love Kai. He's clearly a freak. Maybe let's nurture him. Again, I'm like, someone could have fixed him if they hugged him. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he could have tried. Debating the fairness of the merge, any of these people, you're not going to get anywhere with it. It's not a fair system. Well, especially because we have to assume Joshua became the leader of the coven by killing his twin. So I'm sure he's like, well, I did it. So you guys have to do it. Classic baby boomer. Which is exactly what his parents probably told him and their parents and their parents. A lot of resentment in that house. There's not an answer here. Damon says, who cares if it's fair? Kill Kai. Thank you, Damon. (laughs) Rick cocks the gun because he's inclined to agree with Damon. (laughs) Joe says, Rick, don't. I can win. I can beat Kai. I just need a little time to get stronger. Now, 
if she saw the smile on Kai's face when she said that, she should be like, actually, you know what? I don't think that's true. Now that I say it out loud. You know, I, I get that that's your girlfriend, Rick, but you know she hasn't used her magic since 1994. Just realistically, those odds are not looking good. Also, because if she has time to prepare, guess who else has time to prepare and go take magic from every which place? Exactly. You know, not for nothing, there's no more greater motivator than spite. And Kai mm-hmm. is up to his ears in spite. Yeah. And also, you know what he lacks that Joe has? Empathy. Yeah. She has some empathy for Kai. He has no empathy for her. There's a reason lack of empathy is useful for a villain because it makes you a lot more efficient. Yeah. Damon says, we're moved. Really, we are. Kill him now. Damon's like, we're not having this fucking conversation. Like, it took us this long to get him to kill him. Let's just do it. Let's just do it now. Joe says, I'll figure out a way to win. Please, you have to trust me. Keep him alive. Damon says, Rick. And then Rick finds middle ground, knocks Kai out with the gun. Which, fair enough, but maybe let's take some action sooner rather than later. Not like they could know what is about to befall them. Yeah. We go over to the Lockwood house. Luke is packing a bag or something. And Tyler says, why'd you tell Damon where they were? And Luke says, because I realized listening to you two was a huge mistake. Kai's a monster. And Tyler says, so you'll just risk your sister's life. How the hell does that make sense? Number one, he's not just risking his sister's life. He's risking his own life. So let's respect that decision a little bit, too. It's not just about fucking live. And second, you don't want to risk Liv's life. I get that. But again, you're fine risking Joe's. Well, it's very much like, Tyler, I understand this is hard for you because you like this girl, supposedly. But don't you think Luke has a better handle on this situation Mm -hmm. than you? Especially because Luke is the one who understands, like, look, the merge is going to happen. We're going to deal with it. Like, he's the most well-adjusted to it. Yeah. And not for nothing, Tyler all love this really isn't your business mm-hmm. and tyler all love who was taking advice from you you couldn't handle being a werewolf you almost killed a guy two weeks ago i'm sorry i'm gonna listen to the guy who texts and drives mm-hmm. and tries to kill klaus every once in a while when he knows he can't mm-hmm. i'm not listening to you your your input is useless your input is rejected thank you so much yeah Thank you for sharing it. Actually, not no, I won't thank you for sharing it because it just wasted everyone's time and breath. Yeah. All love. All love. <laughs> Liv comes in and says, everyone chill. Joe thinks she can beat Kai. Now, at this point, I think she's delusional. Yeah, I think she's really trying to convince herself this. Luke says, yeah. you and I both know that's crap. Kai is a million times stronger. She'll die. And the first thing Kai's going to do is kill everyone in our coven as punishment for putting him away. And then he'll turn on innocent people because he's crazy, bored, and homicidal. Finally, someone with logic. What a great succinct way to put it, Luke. Luke, thank you. I know three things about Luke. One, he's gay. Two, he's Liv's brother. Three, he's smart. Yeah, he's the smartest one. And four, he wants to go fuck his radiologist. He said, I don't have fucking time for this. I might die in two weeks. And my grinder just pinged (laughs) from the hospital. Liv says, fine. Then I'm selfish, Luke. But I'd rather be alive and selfish than this dead murder who served her purpose to her coven. That is not Luke's point at all. He never once called you selfish. And you are selfish. But the thing is, you won't be alive and selfish. You'll be dead and selfish or dead in a murder or alive and feeling bad that Luke died. 
But there's no world in which you're alive and selfish here. The selfish decision does not guarantee you live. If anything, it almost guarantees you die. Because I think at least Kai would respect if you like stood up to him. Yeah, I don't even think that's true. He'll kill you regardless. He'll, he'll laugh in your face, but you know. She just is not thinking critically. Luke says, people are going to die and it's going to be our fault. Remember that. And now here's what I think is going to happen. I would love to hear it. I do think we're going to end up in a situation where we get to a murder and we don't know Joe or Kai, which one is going to win. And obviously Liv is going to be there. And I think Luke is going to grab Liv's hand and merge at the end and plan to die and like sacrifice himself. Merge with Liv. Merge with Liv. Yeah. But before Kai and Joe Yeah, before can. Kai and Joe. Like they gather the coven to do the merge and Luke makes him and Liv merge before Kai and Joe do. Interesting. And pushes them like out of the way. I think he's willing to sacrifice himself for his coven and to save his sister. So you think he's going to have to strong arm himself into that? Yeah. But then Kai's still around. Yeah. Why would Kai not just kill all of them then? Hopefully you're powerful enough to stop him. <laughs> now that you merge. I guess that's the hope. I mean, I, I think it's still an issue, but I think that's where I see it being most likely right now because I think it doesn't look like Joe's going to be able to win the merge. And I I just don't think that merge is going to go well. I, not that Joe or Kai couldn't die at some point, but I don't think they're going to die in the merge. In the merge. How long do you think we have until the merge? We know that they need to tie to a celestial event. I'll give you that yeah. clue. Yes, I do know that. Well, what we're at Christmas, so... It's episode 10. I was trying to think there's like a celestial event that happens every year. Oh, that's a good point. The ball drops on New Year's Eve. My first thought was fireworks on New Year's Eve. I'll be completely serious with you. And then I was like, that's not a celestial event. It's just in the sky. Yeah. I mean, I think we're looking at episode 13 or 14. Okay. I think we're looking at a mid-season finale. Although every time I've guessed mid-season finale, it's been wrong. So So who knows? Why not try again? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day it'll be right. We go over to the hospital. Stefan is sitting and Elena approaches and sits with him. And she says, are you okay? And he says, there is a 22-year-old sociopathic witch running around Mystic Falls right now. That we have a plan for. That plan's going haywire, but you don't know that yet, King. Yeah, not a good plan. (laughs) He says, we've dealt with every kind of evil there is, and we always have a plan. But this, if Caroline loses her mom, it'll destroy her. And this is the true sadness of the Vampire Diaries when they decide, like, you know what? We're going to do one thing that's not magic at all. Yeah. Let's just, let's do cancer. Let's all wrestle with our immortality a little bit here. You guys remember that you're all going to die? <laughs> she said, hey, teens, hope you're loving the show. Remember everyone dies. <laughs> Elena says, I know it'll destroy her. And Stefan says, she doesn't deserve this, Elena. She's a good person. She's happy. She's kind. Elena says, I know. Why aren't we talking about me? Elena's like, okay. Well, did you know my mom also died? She's like, well, my parents died and I also didn't deserve it. Elena says I should tell her. It's only a matter of time before she compels a doctor and I don't want her finding out from a stranger, you know, which is fair. But then Stefan says, let me do it. And she says, no, you don't have to. And he says, you let Damon know. I should tell Caroline. I haven't been there for her. Caroline needed me and I ran away. So yeah, I have to do it. He does have to be there for her now. He is listening that she is like anyone can be friends hanging Christmas lights. He's like, I really have to be there for her for something harder than that. And frankly, Elena's wouldn't be good at this. Yeah, truly. <laughs> Darla. I think he's coming to terms with his feelings a bit here because it's not only that he feels like he has to be there for her in this because he feels guilty, but because I think he wants to be able to comfort her with this. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's shifting, it's shifting. Things are moving. 
We go back out to the woods. Rick says, I guess we'll just lock up your brother till you two, you know. And Joe says, merge our twin powers during the next celestial event. And Rick says, yeah, there really is no sugarcoating that, is there? And she says, for the record, I've dated doctors and lawyers and a couple artist types, but none of my previous boyfriends would have ever understood that. He wraps a blanket around her, even though it's the middle of the day. And they kiss. Well, here's something. Sorry, this is kind of disjointed, but... No, it's okay. So they can still merge, even though they're not 22 anymore. I guess Kai is still 22, so maybe that affects it. Yeah. But it's like, that makes it seem like Liv and Luke could just, like, not merge. But I think it must be that Kai is 22 still, so it counts, I guess. That's an interesting point. I don't know. And I wonder if her getting rid of and bringing her magic back has something to do with that. Or, again, maybe the merge is just an arbitrary thing they made up. And therefore, 22 is an arbitrary age. Yeah, just to make their leader more powerful. Yeah. And they just pick 22 because they're like, that's a twin number. Like, oh, two, like twins. Like two twos. You guys get it. Let's do that. And, that's cute. And we've, and we've always done that. <laughs> we've always done that. Can you imagine being the first pair of twins? Like, hey. Like, I well, actually, I killed your uncle. And they're like, no, you didn't. You've never mentioned that before. Do you have a picture of the uncle you killed? He's like, well, don't you care about your family? It's like, well, I guess. <laughs> we go back to the cemetery. Kai is tied to a gravestone over the border. It's like a really tall gravestone, and he's got the handcuffs looped around. And I don't think he can jump that high. Exactly. It says Giuseppe on it, so I think it's Giuseppe's. I did clock that. They're outside the Salvatore Mausoleum, so it's like, oh, Giuseppe didn't get to be in the mausoleum. <laughs> they built the mausoleum after. That's my guess. But that would be funny if Stefan and Damon hated their dads more. So we're going to build a mausoleum right in front of his grave so he always knows he wasn't allowed to come in. I know Giuseppe's looking up from hell, pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Damon is just throwing rocks at the gravestone. Kai's behind the gravestone, so Kai's not getting hit. But Damon's throwing rocks. I mean, I'm fair enough. Yeah. Don't give many peas. Why? Kai says... So this whole anti-magic thing, is it like a dome or a bubble? Like, say you were in a 747 flying over Mystic Falls. Would you die? And now he's giggling, giggling, because he's just talking because he loves to talk. But also, like, be careful what information we give him. Yeah, don't give him information on the magic bubble. But second of all, that is an interesting question about the bubble. We don't really know. Yeah, that is a good question. Can you imagine you're sitting next to someone on a plane and the next snaps? Be like, yeah. It's like, hey, attendant, <laughs> uh, is there a doctor on board? I think this guy's neck just snapped. And also, you know, while you're here, can I get a Diet Coke? <laughs> Ty says, that could be dangerous. Like if you're headed to New York and your pilot reroutes for weather. And Damon says, how's this? I kill you. And when you're in hell, you can ask a burr full of dead travelers who cast the damn spell. And Kai says, spell you say. Yeah. <laughs> Kai says, that's a lot of travelers. Must be a pretty big spell. Like a really big spell. So big. You can see the gears turning and you're like, oh. And he says, it covers every inch of an entire town. He puts his hand on the ground. We don't see him siphon right away. Okay. Rick returns and says, what the hell are you doing? Because he sees him throwing the rocks. And Damon says, working on my knuckleball. And Rick says, we are keeping him alive, Damon. Damon says, can I ask why we continuously compromise logic for some girl you just met? Someone had to ask it. Someone did have to ask it. Although, Damon, that's rich coming from you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> And Rick says, you know, I don't know how I went so long without saying this, but you're a real dick. I'm sure you've said that before. <laughs> yeah. Damon says, Bonnie's stuck over there because of him. She's over there and I'm over here and I hate myself for it. And Rick says, yeah, and killing him will make you feel better. So let's just stop pretending for a second that this is about anyone else but you. 
And I do think there is a big part of this that, yes, Damon will feel better if if he kills Kai. But also it does behoove you all to kill Kai. Well, and I think the other thing with Damon is like, he's like, I don't give a shit what happens to these two twins. Like that doesn't affect. And Alora wants to keep Joe alive. So sure, I'll try to keep her alive. But then I do have to kill Kai. He's like, I mean, he gets a benefit of it, but there is still one of the four of these people has to die at least. Yeah. So let's pick the one who's the biggest headache. Yeah. Damon throws a rock at Alaric's car and pops a tire and says, you should go change that tire. Meanwhile, we go back to check on Kai. Uh, His hands are red. Oh, he's siphoning the ground. He's taking that spell out. He's smiling. He's got some. I know the travelers are watching this. Pissed. They are mad as hell. They spent 2000 years and their goal was to get this spell to go over the entire world. They could only get it in one town and it lasted, what, five months? And it's like, you know, we want it everywhere, but we have a town. We did it. That's kind of a win. And then this dude comes in and uses it to destroy everything. It's like, come on. Marcos is mad. We go back to the prison world. Bonnie is pulling an extension cord to plug in her tree. We do another Mystic Falls Christmas flashback, but this time it's their junior year, a.k.a. post-pilot. Their junior year... I think the show starts at their junior year. I think it does too. So I think this is pre-Caroline becoming a vampire, like it matters. Yeah. The show started the first day of their junior year. All that matters is that Stefan is in the friend group at this point. Yeah. Liz is on stage in a Santa hat after lighting up the tree. She says, isn't that gorgeous? The holidays are all about being with loved ones. And I think that's what makes this tradition so special in our town. It's a reminder that no matter where you turn, you have a friend. It's crazy Mayor Lockwood let her do this. I know. (laughs) Caroline approaches Elena and Bonnie. They're giggling. And Caroline says, biggest mistake of junior year, including the boys in Secret Santa. Stefan is officially the worst gift giver. And she holds up a little snow globe keychain. Elena says, he got you a snow globe. Caroline says, yeah, of Mystic Falls, as if I don't see enough of this town every day as it is. And Bonnie says, well, I love my bracelet. And Caroline says, yeah, of course you do, because I'm good at Secret Santa. And I didn't purchase it from a quick stop. Yeah, because this was lazy by Stefan, which this is probably the time he wasn't really fucking with Caroline. Well, yeah, and to be fair, at this point, he was like, I need to make sure Caroline knows we're never dating. I'm going to get her. (laughs) The most platonic gift I can think of. Yeah, and also, to be fair, I mean, (laughs) Stefan's always been going through something. (laughs) Elena says, sounds like someone is missing the true meaning of Christmas. Come on, we're happy and healthy and together. And they hug. And then now they're looking back at that. They're like, must be nice. Yeah, man. (laughs) In the hospital, Caroline is sitting and she's playing with the snow globe. Mm -hmm. So even though it was a mindless gift, it still holds importance to her. Mm -hmm. Caroline, (laughs) you're coming. Stefan says, hey. Caroline says, hey. And she says, there's no news. Apparently, they're still running tests. He says, actually, there is news and we need to talk. (laughs) We go over to the cemetery. Kai is focused on siphoning and it is getting super windy. A fact that Damon doesn't seem to internalize at all. I'm like, yes, I know wind can happen. Like, it's not like this is necessarily magic, but really strong wind coming out of nowhere, you guys know is the sign of a spell. Exactly. Damon's Damon's on the phone with Elena and he says, where are you? I can't hear you. And she says, I'm at the medical center. Where are you? She says, the reception is horrible. Can you hear me? He says, Elena, the call drops. So he hangs up and he looks at the wind and Kai is smiling and siphoning. We go over to the Mystic Falls Town Square really quick, present day. (laughs) 
Jeremy is walking to the tree decorating ceremony. They turn on the lights. There's like a power surge. The lights turn off and spark, but then they come back. And then at the border, Matt is driving Tripp's van. First the of same fuck ass van. Same fuck ass old timey. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal ass song. And it's like, Matt, pick some other idol. This can't be the best for you. Do not copy Trip. The radio also glitches a bit. He hits it. So that's mm-hmm. another power thing. And Enzo comes to in the back. He realizes he's in this damn van again. And he hears the music and he says, fancy something else? I always figured I'd bow out to the Everly Brothers or something. <laughs> the least he could do is turn on a request. Enzo's going to be silly goofy till the end. He will. Matt closes the shade between the back and the front and keeps driving. In the cemetery, Damon, you know, all of a sudden clocks Kai and he says, hey, he stopped talking. He never stops talking. Alaric is switching out the tire that Damon broke. And Kai looks like he's done or finishing up siphoning because we don't see the bed anymore. But he is starting a spell. When you can see like liquid metal. Yeah, the spell is like melting his chains off. Yeah. And Damon says, what happened to his chains? And Rick says, is he chanting? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Is he chanting? (laughs) I know that is concerning. At the border, Matt crosses the border and Enzo starts to burn and Matt pulls the car over. And he starts coughing, his little consumption. Yeah, it looks like it's going bad. But then at the cemetery, Kai like finishes the spell. Mm -hmm. So we can assume he's now taken all the magic out of the town. Yeah. So at the border, Matt gets out of the van and he wants to open the back to see his handiwork. He said, I did it. I killed Enzo. I'm such a successful vampire hunter. And my spite really paid off for me. But no, none of that's going to happen. Yeah. He opens the back of the van. Enzo is laying there. By the way, not gray and veiny, if you will open your eyes a little bit, Matt. Well, and here's my thing. You have the little window by the seat. Let's check there first. Yeah. Poke him with a dowel or something. Now, don't get me wrong. He would have still laid down still, and you probably would have opened it regardless. But let's, you know, do a little bit of safety check. Yeah. Matt touches Enzo's body to see, to double check that he's dead. But Enzo quickly jumps and grabs Matt's throat and says, it's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Enzo's like, oh, I feel so powerful. I'm never going to (laughs) die. Yeah, He said, Enzo always comes out on top, baby. (laughs) At the cemetery, Kai stands up and walks toward them. And Damon finally realizes what happened. He said, you little magic sucker. You sucked up all that magic from the traveler spell. Spells it out for us in case we didn't get it. Yeah. And I just have to say, what a fun way to get rid of the anti-magic border. Oh, yeah. To immediately, like, make it a big, like, a new a new big issue. Yes. It's like, oh, shit, he has all that now? Just <laughs> incredible stuff. And, you know, thank God this border's gone. I'm done with it. I've been done with it. Yeah. I never would have guessed this is how it went. <laughs> I know. It's good to get rid of the border. We wanted to get rid of it eventually. This is a fun, easy way to get rid of it mm-hmm. and also help Kai out a little bit. Yeah. Kai lifts Rick and throws him against a tree for good measure. But his human bones stay nice and strong. He drinks his milk. (laughs) He has a little Irish coffee. It's just milk and bourbon. He didn't understand coffee's supposed to go in it. (laughs) Kai says, a lot of magic. Damon grabs Kai's throat. Surprise, surprise, Kai pushes Damon off of him. And then Kai disappears, his classic move. Damon says, I really hate that move. And then he notices Rick is, you know, suffering on the ground. And he goes, oh, Rick, come on. And he holds his hand out. Rick just looks at his hand. And Damon says, take my hand, Rick. Come on. Damon's like, can we be done with this? Rick grabs his hand and gets up. But Rick realizes that Damon has crossed the border. And he says, hey, how are you not dead? Border's gone, baby. Woo-hoo. We go over to the border. Enzo and Matt are sitting in the back of the van. And Enzo says, you know, if we've learned anything from today, it's that we should kill our enemies with haste. And that is so true. I just have to say, this shot 
the way he's holding his leg, it's like, how are you wearing jeans that tight? I know. Like his leg looks so, so little. I didn't even notice that. It looked like he was wearing leggings. It was so aggressive to me. That was the style of the time. Yeah. Skinny jeans. How are jeans so tight and phones so big? I had a point. I had a point. Matt says, then what are you waiting for? Go ahead and kill me. And Enzo says, I said enemies. Don't flatter yourself. Gagged him. And so I was like, I'm not threatened by you. <laughs> said, I don't care enough about you to kill you. You are the equivalent of a gnat in my ear. Yeah. Matt says, what do you want, Enzo? Meanwhile, he literally is looking at Enzo like he shit his pants. Like, he looks so scared. And it's like, Matt, if you're this scared of vampires, you're not ready to be a vampire hunter. He's not smart. He's not happy. He's very scared. And Enzo has him in the interior part of the van, blocking his way out. Matt knows he lost today. Mm-hmm. Her day to be Matt Donovan, as always. But this is one of the worst ones, to be sure. One of Matt's worst moves. <laughs> Enzo says, you were right. I am jealous of Stefan. Jealousy is a disease, sweetie. I was like, he's not that jealous. And then he admitted, you knew you knew what you were doing last episode. I know. I was defending my husband. I would have said this anyway, knowing this, because Enzo's obviously jealous of Stefan. He's, he's jealous of his life. Yeah. Which who wouldn't be? He's got a pretty nice life. Yeah. Enzo says, he has what I want. Respect, family, girls he doesn't deserve. He throws it all away and yet still somehow manages to come out winning. He did do an apology to her and he's still losing in some of it. I mean, he didn't even get the invite to Friendsgiving. (laughs) But it is, you know, it's a world that Damon had to come to terms with too of why can't I get forgiven for things that I see Stefan get forgiven for? And it's because he has more goodwill built up. But it's still like hurtful. It's because Stefan is actively trying to be better. And as soon as Damon started actively trying to be better, people came around on him. Mm -hmm. But it's a hard lesson. You just want to be cared for. Yeah. Enzo says, you are going to help me deplete every ounce of happiness from his life. And when there's nothing left, I'll decide if you get to live. Oh, and happy holidays. And he closes (laughs) Matt into the van, which is funny because Matt can't get out of that. This is, I mean, look, Stefan has been a longtime hater of Enzo to the point that it was detrimental to him. Now Enzo's in his unnecessary hater era of Stefan because A, I get wanting to deplete every ounce of happiness from his life. But if Enzo has learned anything, there's actually no physical way to do that. To Mm -hmm. deplete every ounce of happiness from Stefan's life, he would need to turn every single person against Stefan. And he simply doesn't have the time. Well, and it's just like a waste of his energy. Yeah. At this point, like this is, he went, he's gone off the deep end a bit here. Yeah. I can respect that. And I think he can, you know, get out of this. Let's make sure Damon, let's, let's check on your friend, Caroline. I know you like Enzo here and there, although Caroline has her own shit to deal with, obviously. Yeah. So I I think he's, I think he's going to come around on this, but it's going to take him. He's going to have to learn a couple lessons. How do you think Enzo is going to try to deplete the happiness from Stefan's life? Any guesses? Um, I do think he's going to try to turn particularly Caroline and Damon against him as much as they can, as much as he can. But I don't think he wants to like, like he doesn't want to kill Caroline because he does like Caroline and he cares about her. I think it's more about not giving him a moment's peace, not sure. letting him like rest at home, like always just being there essentially mm-hmm. and like messing with whatever he's doing that day. Like, I think it's going to be really like nuisance stuff. Like, I do think he'll, like, threaten to kill people, but he's not killing Damon or Caroline. And those are the two that I think he would go after to get at Stefan. Yeah, exactly. We go over to the Salvatore house. In the background, what starts playing, but winter song. I went through a big phase with this song. I bet you did. Did you not? 
No, I honestly don't know this song. <laughs> I was crying to it, don't I, get me wrong. I thought everyone went through a phase with this song. Is this gonna be my new drop in the ocean? It's my drop in the ocean for sure. It's like, who does it? It's like Sarah Bareilles maybe? Sarah Bareilles and Good Michael Sin apparently. I really thought you went through a phase with this song. How did you not? Mm, I didn't. I have no idea where I went through the phase with this song then. Like before you saw this episode? In like 2011. Oh, huh. No, I, I this song was on my iPod Nano, bitch. Okay. Isn't that crazy? How, like, we're twins, but I had never heard this song. Isn't that crazy? you were fucking crying to it on your iPod Nano, like, next door. Yeah, literally. That's crazy, because I was like, oh my god, Stephanie's gonna freak out when she hears this needle drop. <laughs> it's a song you literally I mean, I was, heard. I was, it was emotional, and it was a sad song, but I didn't have, like, a That is so interesting, because I was looking while we were watching the episode, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see her realize that it's winter song. <laughs> never really did. Yeah, you never saw anything. You're like, wow, she did that well. I thought everyone went through a phase with this song in like the early 2010s. It was good. It really fit with the scenes. I was losing it. Oh, yeah. I was crying. Anyway, we're at the Salvador house. <laughs> Damon arrives. He's on the phone with Elena. And she says, oh, you mean home home? Because she's been told about the border. Damon says, I just walked through the front door, which I should probably start locking now that Kai's supercharged and on the prowl. You should have been locking this door soon. Yeah, y'all have been leaving this unlocked for far too long. Elena says, let's just celebrate the fact that we can go home. I could really use some happy news right now. Today sucks. She still thought. He says, I'm listening. She says, I don't know what we were or are or what we're supposed to be. But all I know is that today was pretty horrible and I just want to see you. I have something I need to tell you. He says, oh, well, come over. I can cook you dinner. We can talk about our crappy days. He said, date night. He said, I'm getting in there, baby. I'm getting in. We go over to the hospital. Caroline and Stefan are sitting together. He has told her about her mom. And she says, that just doesn't make sense. My mom would have said something to me. Stefan says, we were worried, so Elena compelled one of the doctors for information. And Caroline says, okay, so my mom has a brain tumor. Then we'll just give her vampire blood. And Stefan says, Caroline, don't you think if our blood cured cancer, we'd have heard about that by now? What do you make of this? Do you think vampire blood can cure cancer? I assumed it did. So that's what I was like, well, did they try to give her some? And they're like, well, we haven't seen any progress. So I guess it didn't. But it's like, don't you assume it cures everything? I mean, I think yes. We know that it heals humans. So I guess... Because if not, this is the question I raise. Like if vampire blood can't cure cancer, can vampires canonically die of cancer? That's a good question. Like, can they die of a stake to the heart and cancer? Maybe cancer is, like, naturally occurring, and so the argument would be, like, once you're dead, you don't grow new cells. You could make a justification of why it doesn't cure cancer, of that, like, cancer is just, like, rapid cell growth, and so maybe vampire blood is about, like, rebuilding cells, and that's not what's happening, if we're going the biology route. But it just seems odd to me. Also, I will draw a parallel here, that... When we first heard about werewolves, the first reaction from Damon and Stefan was like, if werewolves were real, wouldn't we have heard about that by now? So like not hearing of it doesn't make it untrue. But do you think, based on what you know about the show, what it seems like we're setting up with the storyline, do you think they can cure cancer with vampire blood? I would assume they can, but it seems like they're really implying they can't. Do you think there are any catches to it? I think the one thing I will say is it's a brain tumor and it's on her brain stem and it's growing really fast. So they may be able to like heal it, but they may not be able to undo the brain damage and she may just like be a vegetable already and it's too late. I don't know, it seems like they're really setting her up as like dead dead. 
or like about to be, obviously. But I don't know how Vampire Blood doesn't cure that. Yeah. Maybe it is a regeneration thing, but that just seems like awful specific. It just seems very scientific based for this show, which really is. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, you guys might as well give her some Vampire Blood and see. Yeah. Like, why, why are you not giving her a wrist real quick? Yeah, we've never seen any, like, consequences from Vampire Blood being offered. Yeah, unless they become a vampire, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But it does seem like, come on, just go give her some, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least you tried. Yeah. Caroline says, fine, okay, then when are they going to operate? And Stefan says, well, that's the problem, they can't. And Caroline says, okay, well, if they can't operate, they'll give her chemo, right? And he says, the tumor is growing so fast, the doctors don't think chemo will work. Caroline says, okay, well, then they're wrong because they don't know her. They don't know how strong she is. I mean, she's going to get through this, Stefan. And she seems like really strong and sure of it. But then she starts crying and she says, right? And she is sobbing. And Stefan starts to cry because he cares about her so much. He's in love with her. And (laughs) then he hugs her. Bitch, I'm shipping. I'm crying. What the fuck? You're you're shipping right now while Liz Forbes is on her deathbed, you bitch? (laughs) You're shipping Staroline at a time like this? (laughs) Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, I can do both. And then Elena walks in and sees them hugging, and she's shipping too. Just fuck Liz Forbes. No, it's not fuck Liz Forbes, but love. You don't have any other argument? You're just going to say love? Yeah, I, I don't have any other argument, except, you know what? Actually, I do have an argument. It's been hard to be a Sterile stand lately, okay? I needed this. <laughs> you, you know what's harder than being a Sterile stand? Having a brain tumor, you bitch. <laughs> Well, you know what? Liz Forbes is a sterile stand with a brain tumor. So she has it hardest. <laughs> Why are you making it about you, Elena Gilbert? <laughs> I know I'm being so Elena Gilbert right now. No, I was crying too, but in the midst of crying, I was shipping. Sorry. Women contain multitudes. <laughs> what about you? It doesn't matter what's going on. You're shipping. I don't care what is going on in the world. I'm shipping sterile. Yeah. You can't stop me. If shipping sterile is a crime, then arrest me. Fuck me up. Lock me up. Lock me up right now. <laughs> we go back to the prison world. Bonnie looks at her tree. Um, and in the Mystic Falls town square, Jeremy looks at the tree there. And he says, we miss you, Bonnie. In the prison world, Bonnie says, I miss you guys. And I was like, the electric current is going to bring her up through the Christmas tree. Girl, what the fuck? You really wanted some positivity out of this Christmas episode. I was like, well, Bonnie has to come home. Because why the fuck did Liz Forbes just get cancer? In Mystic Falls, Jeremy leaves. In the prison world, Bonnie lights her tree on fire and walks away. This is fair enough. In the hospital, Caroline looks at her snow globe keychain that she got from Stefan, and she puts it in her mom's hand, and she sits with her. She holds her mommy's hand. And it's just so sad, because, like, now Caroline can finally come home to Mystic Falls. She can finally be home with her mom, and, like, maybe her mom won't be there. And she and her mom have had, you know, their contentious times. Yeah. But they have a really good relationship now, and... It is heartbreaking. And she's immortal, so of course, logically, she's always understood that someday she's going to lose her mom. Yeah, but she didn't think it would be this soon. We go over to the Salvatore house. Damon has a bottle of wine grabbed because he really wants to get it in with Elena tonight. Yeah, he's like, I finally made progress. But then he hears a car revving, and he knows it's his car because I guess boys know that stuff. And he says, that's not possible. He goes outside, and Stefan has arrived with his remake of Damon's car that he was making in Savannah, not giving up on his brother. Damon says, what? This was gone. I blew this up. 
And Stefan says, well, you weren't around to annoy me for the last four months, so I had a little bit of extra time on my hands. Think of it as an early Merry Christmas slash late welcome back to life present. Well, this is nice for Damon because, you know, he heard about how things went down, but now, but he's like, oh, look, my brother, like, look at how far we've come, me and my brother. Yeah. He was putting some energy into it. He didn't give up hope completely. And this is the other thing, Enzo. Don't talk shit. You don't know the whole story. You don't know what Stefan's going through behind closed doors. Well, that's like his issue. Stefan Stefan hides all that shit. Yeah, because they're not friends. Yeah. Because they hate each other. Uh, that's And that's both of their issues. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get anti-Enzo at the end here. Yeah, because <laughs> that's not very Christmas spirity of me. <laughs> Damon says, thank you. Stefan says, do me a favor, okay? Don't die. Because those fenders were a real bitch to find. And Damon says, deal. <laughs> and they go inside. Damon says, well, we're home. Stefan says, yes, we are. Damon says, you sticking around? Stefan says, depends. I might have to kill Jeremy if I find out that he slept in my bed. He goes up to his room. Damon looks around. He just, like, appreciates his home. Yeah, because not only is he in his home, like, physical home, but he's also, like, with his brother and his girlfriend's on the way over. And things are looking up. Things are looking positive. We see outside Elena walking up the front porch. From outside, she sees that Damon hung mistletoe on the front door. He's being cutie. He's being cutie. She sees it and she smiles because she's already endeared to him. Mm -hmm. She knocks on the door. It's so nasty of Kai to let her do the knock before he makes her disappear. (laughs) It really is. Damon opens the door and Elena has this huge like flirty smile on her face and she says mistletoe. Clever. And Damon says, hello, anybody there? And Chris is like, Damon, what kind of bit are you doing? Like, what kind of flirting is this? (laughs) He's like, aren't you excited to see me? You're in love with me. And we see that he can't see her. And she says, you going to let me in? Or And he just slowly closes the door. And she's like, what? She's like, what the fuck? But then Kai appears behind her and says, I might have put a cloaking spell on us. How genius is that? And then knocks her out with a tire iron. That is where we end the episode. So what's Kai going to do with Elena? I use her as a bargaining chip. Sure. That makes sense. Damon cares about her alert, cares about her, even Joe cares about her. Keep, you know, keep watch on her until people give him what he wants. Plus, I think he specifically wants to get back at Damon because he, you know, Damon got out of the prison world before he did. And I'm sure he's pissed about that, even if it was Bonnie's doing. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you're enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.
Is love. Is love.